Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland. Far and wide, and sometimes here at home, these bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Happy to be with you today and greetings from FX Missions Central. If you're getting this podcast, uh, please do share it with someone who uh, you know is interested in the subject of missions and ministry. We want to encourage you to take some steps out in your journey uh, with the Lord of obedience and then pushing forward the gospel into places where it wants to grow. Excited today to be joined by Timmy Oss. Timmy, greetings. Glad to be here, Scott. It's been a while since uh, we've seen each other, but I'm glad, excited. This is going to be a fun day. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was trying to think about how long it had been. And of course, you know, we're all moving around doing things. I, I think it might have been 2012 or in that range when we were working together on some missions efforts in Central America. It was great to meet you. Just everything that entire interaction was pleasant. Of course, we're busy people. I know you guys are. So <laughs> it's good to reconnect, man. Very good to reconnect. Yeah, for sure. I've been a little bit watching what you're doing through through social media. I'll see your posts here and there. Recently, I was in Puebla. We've got some friends in common, and you had been there a week prior to my visit. So off and on, still keeping in touch with all the great <laughs> stuff you're doing. <laughs> well, same here. Yeah, I was happy to see that you made it out there to visit the McNallys and to be a part of what they were doing there. I was on the phone, I think, yesterday or on FaceTime yesterday with Josh, who's the oldest son of, of Jerry and member of the team there yesterday. So it was it's great to catch up with them on what's going on and great to see that you are out there. That's exciting, man. Uh, they've got an interesting ministry and something very fruitful. So glad to see you contributing in their ministry school there. But you've been busy and I want to dig in some to kind of our your personal history, your family history and ministry, and also, you know, try to talk some about you know, what you guys are up to, what you've been up to the last several years. Just tr try to get a feel for what you see the Lord doing in this time, what you guys are working in presently. I'm sure we'll run out of runway before we get our conversation complete. We may have to have you back, but I really want to find out more. So you were born in Mexico City, am I right? Yes, sir. April 2nd, 1979. <laughs> was the day Mexico City. It was a crazy time back then, I guess. But yes, my parents are missionaries. My grandfather was a missionary to Mexico, and my father just went in those footsteps, and that's where I was born. It's a 
super cool story. Of course, your English is uh, flawless. <laughs> you should hear my Spanish, Timmy. I've got a few more words since we were together in 2012, but it's not like your English. Let me just say that. So uh, I've got kind of respect. Well, I, I didn't have option, honestly, because when I was growing up, my dad would only speak English to me. And my mom would only speak Spanish. So I don't have any knowledge of when I learned English or Spanish. I just kind of learned them both at the same time. Man, that is cool. And to me, what a that's a treasure. I mean, for a guy like me who is trying to learn Spanish later in life, to have had that as a gift, you know, <laughs> from oh, yeah. your parents and early on, what a, that's powerful, man. To me, it's wonderful. And it helps me, I, you know, I, I've gotten to where I can understand most of the conversation in Spanish and, you know, a present tense, first person, <laughs> I can do about 50% on the speak side. I mean, I can get to the restaurant, right, or get a cab or explain something very simple and non-technical, but yeah. You've got the surviving level done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So now I know you're super involved in in youth ministry you know over these years that you've been uh, working talk to us a little bit about your you know how you got involved in ministry and of course your dad as you mentioned the Aust family i i heard about you guys before i ever met you and the pioneering work that your grandfather did was super well known around the country can you talk to us a little bit about that family history and we'll work toward your personal history and your involvement and, in, you know, how you got involved and stuff like that? You know, now as I look back, I've just been so, so blessed to be born into this legacy because my grandfather, just like you say, was a true pioneer. I mean, he laid down the work for hundreds of thousands of people to experience God's love in Mexico and other countries around the world. But his commitment to giving his life for the cause of Jesus really shaped the future for the generations after. He was a guy up in Alaska, had his future set up. He had inherited a gold mine and in that process of staying in Alaska and just digging gold, he kind of came into grips with reality that God was calling him to Mexico. And he chose to leave like his earthly inheritance behind. And it was surprising what God had in store for him. So just that power, that conviction kind of runs in our blood. Now, I must say, like my dad, my dad never told me, this is what you're going to do. This is your calling. He always was, <clears throat> well, you need to see God for yourself. So that, that has been something that's helped my journey, you know, because it's not <clears throat> like I was pushed into it, but it's something that God developed. But yeah, my grandfather left everything behind, went to Mexico after studying Bible college in Seattle. And that's where it all started. Wow. 
That I never knew about the gold mine. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. That yeah, he kind of was set from an earthly perspective, but uh, you know, started to feel something from the Lord in terms of another kind of leading. And yeah, I can imagine like when you have this is what I found. Sometimes when you're not sure about your future, it's easier to obey God, you know? But when you've got a future set in the financial side of things, sometimes, honestly, our human nature will lead us to stay comfortable with what we have. So when I come to terms with that choice he made, it really helps me understand when you choose to follow God, you really have to be willing to lay it all down. Mm. Wow. True. I mean, that's something that is consistently and permanently true. Sounds like he reached that whatever struggle he had personally, he reached that point, decided to go to Bible college, get prepared. What year did he get to Mexico? I'm not sure, but it was either late 40s or early 50s. Mm. Somewhere in there. Wow. Late 40s, early 50s. That seems like a long time ago, but he went right to work. Now, where did he end up in Mexico when he when he when he went to Mexico? Where where did he start his efforts? So the very first outreach he had was in a small town called Los Herreras, Nuevo León, which is probably about an hour and a half south from the Laredo border. So they, as a family, lived in Laredo and started doing a couple of outreaches. But the first person that came to follow Jesus from his ministry was in a little town called Los Herreras, Nuevo León, and then he branched out into the Monterey area. Okay. So really that town, for those of us who are, I mean, geographically challenged, or maybe those of us who've been through that area, Monterey is just due south of Laredo, right? I mean, it's just straight down the road. And it sounds like this place where they started their first outreaches while living in Laredo, where it's about halfway to Monterey from... Laredo or or there in the middle somewhere, maybe not halfway. Am I getting it right? Yeah, it practically is halfway between Monterey and Laredo. Yes. That must have been a small town. I've I've driven that very section of road a few times and it's it's rocky. You know, it still is (laughs) a very, very small town. I mean, it more than a town back then, it was probably more like a small village. Yeah, like maybe not a town. Of course, in Monterey is, you know, there's when I go to Puebla, I hear about how important, the rank of importance. And uh, I've been to Puebla a bunch of times and around the country some uh, as well, less so than in Puebla. But there's a little contention about which city in New Mexico is most important. Well, it, it depends <laughs> who you ask. It, that's always what it's going to come down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there's there's uh everybody has their angle on their yeah. importance level. 
Yeah, and, and it, somehow it's tied off into self-importance to go with it, I, or it, so it seems to me. But, you know, yeah. there's no contest that Mexico City's what they call the most important city in the country. But after that, anything is negotiable, right? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Mexico is so centralized that everything has to go through Mexico City. But every mm. city has their own little thing. Like Puebla is developed a lot like with the colleges and the university. So they're up there with the development of leadership and schooling and college. Monterey, on the other hand, is very industrial. So they've got a lot of things. And then there's Guadalajara, there's Querétaro, there's there's a lot of cities that have really good things happening. But it's not like in the States. Like here in the States, there is so many big cities that are vital to the economy in the country. Mexico is not quite there yet, but it, it's getting there little by little. Right. Yeah, for sure. I love Mexico. I've I've been there north of 50 times. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I'll cross 100 at some point, but going very, very consistently for near 20 years, super thankful for the people, everything I've experienced there. It's been wonderful. And I love it. I, Mexico City is not my favorite city. I got to say that. It's, <laughs> we're going to have some issues today. <laughs> well, I, t I feel overwhelmed. I mean, it's not like you, it's just a lot to take in, I guess is what it is, right? Oh, it's crazy. It, it's, and probably wow. that's why I love it. Well, yeah, but you're, you're like a digital native when it comes to the internet, when compared to, to Mexico city. And I'm like this guy who's, you know, from the woods, no experience with anything that size, beautiful place, so much variety the richness of culture, the the wonder of the people. I really love it in that sense, but I do feel, I still, I've been through there probably 50 times, but I still feel overwhelmed by Mexico City. You just haven't experienced the Timmy Ost Mexico City tour. We got to make that a date, bro. That's got to happen. It's got to happen. That needs to happen. Yeah, because I, I could start to feel a little bit of, I mean, Every time I find out, I get familiar with one part of the city, then I find out about another part of the city that I, you know, Las Lomas or Reforma or <laughs> it's crazy. El Zocalo or, you know, or whatever. So we're going to do that. But I think for me, the contest or the different commentaries on important cities, always Monterey is in the top cities of importance in Mexico. Guadalajara is very important. Monterey, there's some contest as to whether Guadalajara or Monterey or Monterey or Guadalajara, you know, what order they go in. Of course, you got Juarez and, and Puebla and, and some of these other cities. But Monterey seemed like a strategic place for what began to happen in the history of the ministry there. You guys, after being in Laredo and then getting the, the first conversions in that part between Laredo and Monterey. You guys settled sort of a ministry base in the Monterey area. Am I am I having it right? That's what I've heard or what I think I know. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the the way it happened was it all started in this little town called Los Herreras. Then the main effort was based out of Monterey. 
when that got settled in, then it was Puebla, actually. Then my grandfather moved to Puebla. Oh, wow. And then he moved to Mexico City. So it was a little bit of trying to figure out what was the best route. And I think that because of him not going straight to Mexico City, that opened the possibilities of really reaching the whole country. Because if he would have gone straight to Mexico City, that's where he would have stayed. There is so much to do in that city. Mm -hmm. He probably would have just stopped there. But because of him not starting in Mexico City, it really helped him reach the rest of the country. That That's my angle anyway. Yeah, it makes sense what you're saying. It's kind of a progression. And, you know, we I mean, for me, I, I think about these heroes of the faith, you know, it just so happens you have one in your family. The progress, you know, how God was moving them and the process they went through. I think that's instructive to us that are coming behind them that we can learn. Everybody has a process, even those who have accomplished incredible results for the kingdom. They went through a process to get there. So with his process, Monterey, Puebla, then Mexico City, that that to me is like, I don't know if it's comforting or maybe it's reassuring, but I'm thankful that we all go through the process and that gives me courage to keep going in my process. So very cool. I didn't realize he went to Puebla from Monterey. That there's a Bible school still in the Monterey area. If I if I I know you guys are are training ministry leaders and such there. And maybe we can summarize some of how things went forward in the ministry over the past. Well, I guess it would be 70 years almost, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something long, like that. Long time, but yeah. But there were phases, I know. There was, of course, initial outreach. I heard the stories about him flying his plane around and dropping leaflets about come to a meeting. Then he would have a meeting. He would get converts. He'd take them to the Bible school, get them trained. I mean, there was a lot going on in those early days. And he was something of a maverick or like someone who was doing things that no one had done before. Am I remembering it right? Yeah, he he went to every length possible to share the love of Jesus. I mean, his whole idea of how to invest his life was the name is Aust and we're reaching the lost at any cost. I mean, he was just like, oh. Oh. we we are going to give it all. And he started with a plane. Then that's how he reached most of the villages. Then then he went into towns, then into bigger cities. But he, I mean, after the plane, he went into radio. When he started his radio programs, he's like, okay, what is the most popular radio station? Well, the most popular radio station plays like this musica ranchera in cumbias. That, that's where I want to be. So he'd get on the radio right after the most popular program, like w out there. Then the the way he actually got into Mexico City was amazing because God provided for him a brand new plane. And he sold the plane and he went to Mexico City and bought an old wine warehouse. So, hmm. so he got on the radio in Mexico City and he's like, he starts advertising his service and he's like, 
this wine warehouse shut down, but come and get some new wine. It's going to be better for you. Just come and get some new wine. So what actually happened there at that first (laughs) church he started was a revival. They started having services from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. I mean, it was nonstop for a couple of years there because people were like, New wine? Yeah. And then they'd show up and <laughs> and people were just sharing the gospel. It was quite quite a run they had there as they went into Mexico City. Wow. Now this this would have been well, around what years that this particular when he got to Mexico City? This probably would have been early 70s. Okay. Early 70s. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Whew. I'm just thrilled. You know, you're you're telling me more of the story than I knew. So I, I'm really I was I, I don't think any you could go anywhere in the Christian community in, in Mexico and, and not people wouldn't be familiar with those efforts. Because we I think a lot of times from the states, we don't really understand the process of the gospel in Mexico. And sort of the contention, the Catholicism. You know, when we think about Catholicism here in the in the U.S., we think about it as a denomination, as one of many, and basically no different than a Methodist or Baptist or Episcopal or Presbyterian or whatever. That is not the case in Mexico. I learned that very early on. That is, a, it's a really a different thing. And you know, I think the early efforts to evangelize from a evangelical point of view or however you call it were met with some serious resistance and i think it was uh, there was a lot of uh, just a different climate for for the gospel i know i'm not doing it justice but i think what i've said is correct it probably isn't complete <laughs> yeah just on the on the lines of that one thing my my grandpa understood is we need to make a turning point because as you say catholicism is very different in mexico than here in the states and so one of the things he did as as he started he started mexico city and one of the small things he did was bringing a music band into the church so automatically that would make it different than what people are used to with the Catholic Church. So he started bringing drums in, uh, electric guitars and bass guitars. And all of a sudden, like the main newspapers in Mexico City were like, church has become a circus, you know? So those headlines <laughs> in the main newspapers only got more people to come to church. So. Wow. It was amazing. He was the first to allow a drum set into the church in Mexico, the first to allow guitars into the church. So he was really uh, a trailblazer in a sense for a lot of the things that, that are happening now. But that allowed him to share the message in a different point of view than what people mm-hmm. had seen. Because... If we go back in the history of Mexico, when Mexico was conquered by the Spaniards, religion or God was a method to oppress. 
So that's the way the culture sees God as an oppressor, as a like a dictator. So in the culture, a little bit, that's what bleeds through Catholicism. So with this new way of seeing God, it's like, wait, God is also interested in me? He also wants to heal me. He also wants to forgive me. So that was that was a turning point to so many people to really being able to experience the love of God. Wow. Yeah, actually, I would think it somehow was the opposite of what the culture was enforcing from the perspective of who God is, because this freedom is coming instead of oppression. Liberty, you know, freedom from sickness, sin, disease, freedom from your way of life that you feel bound to. I could see how that would, that type of contrast would, you know, be highlighted as the gospel's first unfolding. And I think it, for us, it seems like for folks in the States, it seems very unusual that this would be the time, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, would be the time when these kinds of things were happening. But you guys were experiencing some kind of an awakening of the gospel during those decades. Prior to those times, there was nothing like that. And I, I think it's hard for us to understand that, but I think that's true. Well, late 60s, 1968, actually, Mexico held the Olympic Games, Mexico City. But that year, Mexico was under such pressure. There was a big push between communism taking over the country or being a, a democratic state like it is now. And there was mm. such oppression. There was actually something that, that changed the history of Mexico in 68 was that a lot of college students were protesting about what was happening, and the army came in and just killed tens of thousands of students in 68. Wow. So the mm. country was going through so much that it was the perfect opportunity for the gospel to shine. Like there was so much confusion. There was so much fear. There was so much anxiety going on in the country those late 60s years that it was nothing but the perfect timing to, hey, there's a lot more. God has a lot more in store for us. And that's exactly the time when the biggest efforts started in Mexico City. Wow. Powerful, man. I did not know that about the unrest, the civil unrest, but it seems that the Lord would use that to his advantage, you know, in, in, to the advantage of the gospel. Sounds like that's what happened. And you guys, the ministry took off. Obviously, over time, you guys, uh, the ministry began to get established in the urban centers of Mexico. And I don't know when it became to be known as uh, centers of faith, hope, and love, but I would guess during those times is when things started to come together where it was spreading to more cities, and, and maybe a little bit after that, you guys were establishing more centers of faith, hope, and love 
across the country. Is that is that right? That's right. Yes, exactly. Uh, after so, my grandpa went from Monterey. Then he went for a couple of years to San Luis Potosí, then Puebla, mm-hmm. then Mexico yeah. City. So when he transitions from Puebla to Mexico City, that's when most of the churches started to because there was a couple of churches but in that transition is when the name came and by then the bible school was already producing leaders so it was an amazing group of young people that started planting churches all over the country wow yeah it, it's a fascinating way that that unfolded i know that just to kind of summarize this section there was basically from end to end of Mexico, centers of faith, hope, and love, or centros de fe, as the short version is in Spanish, began to even spill out of the Mexico and, and, and be in other countries. I think you, you guys are in a, a lot of countries now, and there's a lot of churches that, of the centers of faith. Is there, do you know those numbers or where you guys are located, how many countries and, and how, many, how many ministries? I believe there are centers of faith in 10 countries, and it's probably just shy of 400, 400 churches somewhere. I, I don't know wow. the specific number yeah. because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's still churches yeah. opening every weekend, you know, so that those numbers change. <laughs> those numbers change a lot. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's so encouraging and so enriching even to see what one guy coming from Alaska <laughs> with a fire inside can accomplish for the gospel. And of course, your family has continued. Your dad, I know, is the ministry leader, well, along with his team. He's ministering now. Tell us your grandfather's name, full name, and then your dad's name. Tell us a little bit about the what's happening now in the team generally. And then I want to get on to your, what you're doing as well. And this rich history to me is so fascinating. I'm taking forever. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all good. My, my grandpa's name was Daniel Ost. My dad's name is Timothy Ost, and his journey, when he got married, he was sent to the border with Guatemala to start a church down there. So it was like, Uh as soon as he got married, okay, go as further south as we can. It was, God was Mm -hmm. just taking them on a quest to reach every part of the country. So that's where he got started. Wow. Yeah, and I know that was, I'm guessing, since you were born in 79, that we're talking about the 70s when he went down. I guess he was he in the state of uh, Chiapas? Yep, in Tapachula, Chiapas. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was early 70s. Okay, yeah. And wow, the work has continued. I met the ministry through some friends now, obviously, who are in Nicaragua, and we've done some things together down there over the years. That's how we met in Central America. So I became familiar with the story to some degree in different 
parts of the ministry team that have been in different places. You guys have always been very missional. I know you've there's been a ton of outreach. I'm guessing, and maybe I'm guessing wrong, but I know that you've been on your own journey, your own sort of missions journey or ministry journey over these last over the last decade or so. And you you've been working in the US and in the States for at least half the last decade, I think. Tell us a little bit about your journey over the last decade or so. I know you you had a very prominent ministry in music and done a lot of youth work. Let's talk and dig in a little bit about yourself and what you've done and then how your journey's progressed and where you guys are now and what you're up to. And that's a lot <laughs> to say at one time, but I, I, I just we've got to get to this piece. Well, for me... When it became clear that this is what I was made for, and this is the choice I had taken for my life to really follow God and serve Him, I always thought Mexico was going to be the place I was going to spend the rest of my life because that's that's mm. where I grew up. I till this day, I love Mexico and and I love the Mexican people, and it's just. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. And it's it's mm -hmm. home. So I always thought it was Mexico. It was Mexico. And 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 growing up, that that was what I was working for. And honestly, after I came to the States, did some college, went back to Mexico, the Lord just opened so many doors. I started pastoring a youth group, which I did for 20 years. With that youth group, I started a leadership academy slash Bible school, which ran for 10 years. And we have over 150 of our ex-students serving God full-time throughout the country. In those same years, I don't know if you're familiar with youth specialties, but in the same years... I became the national director for youth specialties, which I actually uh -huh. still am. So that helped us reach and train youth leaders all over the country. And mm -hmm. we have a band and the band was going really well. So all these things are happening that in my mind is like Mexico. It is, you know, Mexico. And then we started traveling into Latin America with, with missions and conferences and all this other stuff. So that's what we were pushing for. And that's what the future was shaping to be. And about four years ago, everything was doing great, but I don't know if you felt what I'm about to try to describe. My wife mm -hmm. and I got to a point where it was too good to be true. It was too comfortable. It was like, mm. it was just too good, you know? And we're like, yeah, let's just explore and search God on this. So we started searching and Lord, what do you have for us? If this is what we're going to do, it feels like it needs to change in a sense. There's something else we need to do. Mm. A couple mm. of week, A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from a church in Las Vegas and they're looking for somebody to help them launch a Spanish speaking church in Las Vegas. My initial mm. response was like, no, 
I need to be in Mexico. There's need in Mexico. But we prayed about Mm. it and we felt the Lord bringing us to the States, which honestly was a very hard (laughs) choice for me. You know, it's like, Mm. this is, I remember praying when I was a young teenager, like, Lord, here I am, send me whatever you want. I will go. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I just don't, I don't want to go to the States. Just send me anywhere. (laughs) Send me to China. Send me, just send me anywhere, you know, send me to Africa. Send me, but no, it's like, I, I don't. So then this comes up, but we feel in a very solid sense that God is calling us to come to the States. So we go to Vegas and uh, help this church launch this Spanish church they're launching, which which was a great, it's a great church out there. But when our time ended there, it was like, okay, what's next, Lord? Then we felt like we needed to take some more time and really search and seek God for our next step. And to make a long story short, we felt like the Lord was calling us to start a church in Austin, Texas. At the beginning, Mm. I didn't quite understand why, but there's a very interesting conversation I had with somebody here in the States that really gave me perspective. Because for some of you, I kind of feel like a missionary here in the States, you know? And in a for sure, absolutely. And in a sense, I am because it's it's not where I was born. It's not where I grew up. My wife is Mexican, one hundred percent. So, in a sense, we we were taken out of our culture, out of our country, into a totally different one. So that's hard to explain to our friends in Mexico because it's like, <laughs> oh, you're going to the States where everything's easier and life is, I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. But we, <laughs> we've we taken on this calling to be a mission missionaries here. And then this conversation I had with somebody that knew a little bit of the history of my family was like, you know what? This makes total sense. I'm like, what makes total sense? the the reason why you're here i'm like why it's like god is giving the states back the favor of sending your grandpa so he's bringing you back to the states and that that kind of brought peace to us and and really helped us at least me and my wife understand there's a huge need here in austin and we've come to love the city and mm. and we're just ready to to take on this challenge there's 700,000 spanish speaking people in the austin area 95% wow. of them are unchurched so there mm. is a big big opportunity to reach a lot of people for jesus here absolutely you know, it's a cultural, it's the most interesting cultural place in, in Texas, no question. You know, it, like they say, keeping Austin weird, right? Yep, that, um, that's why we're here. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, there are a lot of people working on that effort, and some of them with a lot of vigor. Of course, it's cool to me. I'm from, I was, you know, born and raised in Texas. I lived outside for a number of years, and I'm 
you know, back in Texas now as of the last uh, seven years or so. But it's Austin's always been interesting. Explosive growth in Austin. Just so many people are coming to Austin. So much is going on there. And I could see how opportune it would be. Maybe like in some ways the way Mexico City was in the in the early 70s. I could see that. Yeah, that's a little bit of what it feels like. And we're kind of kind of understanding why the Lord has brought us in this time to Austin. I truly believe that what happens in Austin can change the world. And that's yeah. always been the push of what we do. If if Jesus can change a life, he can change the world. So mm. yes. whatever we can yes. do. Wow. Well, very, very cool. And you guys are close enough that we've got to get together for some of that good old fashioned barbecue. Yeah. Know, sometime soon. <laughs> we we got to do that. Franklin's Barbecue. I don't know if you've ever even heard of Franklin's, but the Franklin's Barbecue here in Austin, you have to get in line around 3 or 4 a.m. because at 11, mm. it's over. It's sold out. No more meat today. No more. I've heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of it and it's on my list. I can say it's on everybody's top list from what I know. But yeah, I would love to get down there and spend some time with you guys as kind of we're wrapping up here. And thank you so much for being on here. I'd love to have also to get a chance to talk with you and your wife. Uh, We've talked so much about the history. I'd like to schedule another time with you to talk more about what you guys are working on, what you're feeling, you know, both of you. It'd be great to have you both on. Yeah. And talk about, get things from her perspective as well. You know, I've got three daughters and so I've got advanced degrees in, you know, female mind studies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I've got enough studies over there. To realize it's super important to hear from the ladies and to incorporate their perspective. Yep. uh, Because they bring a part of God's perspective that we don't get without them. So love to get her on. Let's talk for just a minute about what steps you guys are taking right now and how can uh, those listening pray for you in terms of your efforts in Austin. And if someone wants to know more about or get more involved in what you're doing, how could that person find out more? So with this COVID-19 situation, our whole strategy has changed radically. We were planning on doing a couple of outreaches and events, and the Lord is kind of fast forward things for us a little bit to where we did a soft launch of the church online a couple of weeks ago and had a great response. So now what we're planning is we're doing a official online launch within the next few weeks. So that's our main like prayer request right now. We, We really don't know what an online church launch means or looks like. We just feel like we can share hope with a lot of people that are locked up in their houses here in this area and and with the internet throughout the world honestly yeah the soft mm-hmm. launch we had we were we were surprised it reached over 20,000 people and have heard great wow. great stories of Jesus just touching people in this area and in this time mm-hmm. 
So just a little bit of context for those that want to pray for us. I was thinking through and praying about what should be the name of the church? What does this city need? Because as you know, this is a very progressive city and very liberal in a sense. And that's the people we want to reach. Mm -hmm. That's the people we want to go after. So in a sense, we, we have to speak their language. We have to make the church approachable in a sense that even the name has to be something they they can feel like okay what is this about so praying through yeah. that i was driving i was driving northbound i35 and for those of you have, that have driven through austin heading north on i35 as you're coming up to downtown there's a lot of buildings 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 and all of a sudden the buildings stop and right on the top of the hill there's one building that stands out, which is the Capitol building. And I kind of felt this question in my spirit, like, why do people go to the Capitol building? Okay, well, they're trying to fix the healthcare system. They're trying to fix their financial situation. They're trying to fix their education programs. They're just trying to fix their life and looking for answers. Mm-hmm. And the question I, I got back was... Shouldn't the church be the capital? Don't we have those answers? Isn't Jesus the way? And with those ideas in mind, we were also looking for a, a word that would be Spanish and English because we were hoping to be a multicultural, bilingual church in this next few years. So the mm-hmm. word the word that came to mind was capital. So that's the name of the church, Capital, and that's a little bit of backstory. And you can, we're on all the social media as Capital Movement, but movement is M-V-M-T, just those four letters. So Capital M-V-M-T on all the social media. And you can find me as Timmy Ost everywhere. My email is timmyost7 at gmail.com. So if you guys have ideas, resources for this exciting online launch that we're adventuring towards in the next few weeks, that'd be awesome. And uh, yeah, so that's where we're at. Awesome, man. Well, very, very cool. I I know these are a lot of the change that's been waiting to happen is being accelerated right now, even in the midst of a lot of containment. So it's an interesting time to be alive and, you know, to take in the opportunity that is new in view of everything that's going on and, and the stuff that's not going on right now, we're certainly going to be praying for you that, that the Lord helps you guys make the most of it. We'll we'll do a follow-on interview with you to see how those things, you know, are shaping up. Really appreciate you taking time, especially during this busy time for you guys and your preparations and all to talk to us. We'll backlink these things, the social media stuff with Capital MVMT. Uh, I'm sure you're on Insta, you know, and and every place else that Yep. That the generation would find you. <laughs> We're Even everywhere. Somebody as old as me, I'll, 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 I'll find you and I'll, I'll backlink you guys here. Really, really appreciate you being here. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just pray really quick and then we'll close out. Yes, please. 
Lord, we thank you for Timmy and for his family, for what they've meant to your kingdom, what they continue to mean to your kingdom, Lord. I'm asking you to bless them now, especially during these initial steps that they're taking for the gospel in Austin, Texas, Lord. Help them, assure them, be be near to them and give them the light of your face and more and more of your perspective on how to make the most of the opportunity in our times. I ask it in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. 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 Tammy, thank you again for being here. Very excited to have you. Please do, uh, your 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 wife's Katie? Yes. Katie in Spanish, I, I, Katia? Katia, yeah. I, I thought so, but I was not super sure, but I got it right. Yay. Yes, you did. <laughs> Please give my greetings to her. I sure will. And begin to convince her that we should have both of you on the program. And we can do bilingual however we need to do it. That'd be wonderful to do. Sounds good. Thank you. Many blessings to you. I am Scott McClellan for your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Uh, To contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.